Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 22 of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be reading Genesis 1 verses 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Well, now God has gotten to the point of the whole creation. The main focus for this world, this this whole creation of the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seas, the mountains, the trees, the creatures, the animals in the seas or on the land, or the, the creeping thing, the whole point and focus of the creation has been that God wanted to create a world in which he would create a special creature, a creature that from everything we know, as far as we know, God has never created anything the like in anything that he has ever done before, in any of his creative work. And now he has created a creature in his own image, a special creature, therefore, a creature unlike the the cattle, the beast, the creeping things, or the whale, or the fish of the sea, a living creature, a creature that, yes, is like those others, in that it's made of the dust of the ground, it has the breath of life, so in some ways it's similar, but unlike anything else God has made, in that this creature and this creature alone is said to be made in his image, in the image of God. You could review chapter 1 or anywhere else in the Bible, and you will not find that God will speak of other aspects of his creation, of any other created creature, any other life form, in the same way that he speaks of man, in relationship to himself. This is the highlight, this is the reason, the purpose for the world. So God could create a special creature in his own image, and and then what? What purpose does God have for this creature? Well, initially we're told that God will give them dominion over everything he has made, which is fitting. It's appropriate because this creature is in God's image and God is the great power of, of, of all things. He is infinite in his being. 
He is the ruler, the creator, the king, the Lord, the master. God is over all that he creates. And therefore, it is very fitting that the creature made in God's image is given rule and dominion over the creation God created, the heavens and the earth and, and the creatures within, the, to subdue it, to, uh, to rule over it. And so, yes, that, that is the initial purpose. Here is man that is made in the image of God and he will rule like God on the earth. But more than that, we know from understanding the rest of the Bible that God's purpose runs much deeper for mankind and for a creature made in his image. It is also part of God's purpose to set up a testing program, and he does so uh, almost immediately, with man in the Garden of Eden to see if he will obey him and and God knows that he will not, that he will fall into sin, and then God's whole redemptive program goes into action, as it's already actually been accomplished. The works have already been finished before the world began. At the foundation of the world, Christ is already slain and paid for the sins of his people, that is, these certain creatures created in the image of God that rebel against God and offend God and transgress his law, yet God has a plan to redeem them, to forgive their sins through the blood of Christ, his atoning work, and to make them his people once again, to restore the image, to restore the relationship that that God intended for a people for himself. And Ultimately, finally, at the end of the day of the matter concerning this whole creation, God will bring forth a people created anew in his image, and and they will be his people forevermore. So he will accomplish that purpose, only he will also accomplish other purposes at the same time, of putting on display his glorious and wonderful attributes of love and mercy and grace and so forth. And so it, it, uh, it really is quite a complex program that God has in store for mankind. And here again in Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And of course, immediately the reader, and we're the reader of the Bible, we pick up that God is using the plural pronoun to refer to himself. He does not say, let me make man in my image after my likeness which we would expect because God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, Jehovah our God is one Jehovah. 
one Lord, one God. God emphasizes that truth uh, throughout the Bible. He's jealous of that. He is one God. Well, some reading Deuteronomy 6-4 and, and understanding God um, indicates he is one God say, well, th- this is just a figure of speech. It's a way of speaking, a-, a way that royalty might speak. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And, and, and yet, um, that we, we might, um, allow, uh, although that's already going against what the words say, but perhaps we would allow it if we did not find the rest of the Bible confirm what these words are saying with the plural references back to God, that God is one, but reveals himself as more than one person. We we find that throughout the Bible, time and again, God refers to himself as more than one person, yet insists he is one God. Actually, uh, the word God here, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and and so forth. Um, the word God is Elohim, the plural name for God. And, and therefore, Elohim goes along with the rest of the verse. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Plural pronouns match the plural name for God, Elohim. And Elohim is not just found in this verse. We mentioned earlier when God said back in verse 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That the word God is Elohim. It's used throughout the chapter over 30 times. Elohim, Elohim, plural name for God. Yet the translators of the King James Bible correctly translated singular because they were in keeping with God's insistence elsewhere. He's one God. And yet here the Lord is making sure the reader that this truth comes through without any question whatsoever that God is more than one person. One God, more than one person. A contradiction. Yes, from man's finite, limited ability to understand, to um, uh, comprehend the person of God, the being of God, it seems as though it's a contradiction, Yet, it's what the Bible teaches, and it's only due to our limitations of, of being a sinner and a finite being ourselves that we're, we're just one person. We, we cannot comprehend how God can be one God, yet more than one person. But that's what the Bible says. Let, let's just remind ourselves... In a few places, um, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Son is born, whose name is one of his names, the Everlasting Father. And, and we right away, we cannot understand that. In Revelation chapter 1, it says in verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. So here, when we know that the Bible says God is more than one person, our next question is, how many persons is God? Well, now we're told God and his Father. In Isaiah 9, 6, the Son is called the Father. So there we we have apparently different persons, yet one with that idea. And Revelation speaks of God and his Father, which goes along with Hebrews chapter 1. And, and this is a quote from a psalm, Hebrews 1, verse 8. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever. So the Son of God is God. That's what the Bible tells us. The Son of God is God, and, and if it's the Son, then there must be a Father. In John 1, verse 1, it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now there, we we are told that the Word is God, and verse 14 of John 1 explains that the Word was made flesh. So it's crystal clear that the Word who is made flesh is the Lord Jesus. He's the Son of God. But John 1, 1 says that the Word was with God, and then tells us the Word was God. So there is God and the Word. And and again, are there two gods? No. Here, O Israel, Jehovah thy God is one Jehovah, one God. But the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have, in several verses, we could keep going, where it shows a father and a son. So we know that God is at minimum two persons, father and son, and yet one. But also the Bible insists that there is God the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, it says in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Not the Father, not the Son, but the Spirit is speaking and giving direction to Philip. And that's because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, as he's also called, is eternal God, a person of God. He He is one with the Father, one with the Son, yet he is a divine person of the Godhead. In Acts chapter 13, it says 
in verse 2, and as they ministered to uh, the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The Holy Ghost is making the decision and and uh, signaling out Barnabas and Saul to perform the work that he has called them to do. The Holy Ghost is a thinking person of the Godhead that speaks, that uh, it is able to um, perform uh, and and function as eternal God in the fullness of the being of eternal God because he's one of the persons of the Godhead. Now, if we go to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew 3, at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in the last couple of verses of Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here, in this historical account, at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have Jesus, also called the Word, um, the word that was made flesh, the, the word that was in the beginning with God and was God. So we have Jesus, eternal God. And then we, we read that the Spirit of God descends like a dove. So there is the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit descends and lights upon the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the second person of the Godhead. And then in uh, verse 17, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Well, Jesus is on the earth. The Holy Spirit has descended. Yet there's a, th- a third figure, a voice from heaven speaking of his beloved son. And therefore he is the father because it is the father that has the Son. And in this historical, true historical account, we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And these are the three persons of the Godhead. The three distinct persons that are one God. And again, I have no idea how that's possible. It, it, it cannot be explained. Whenever people try to explain it, they typically get themselves into trouble and go astray because it's unexplainable. It's beyond us. It's above us. It, it is something we cannot understand. We know it's true. We, we know the Bible teaches it. We know that this is how God reveals his being. This is who God is. And that's why it's a awful thing. It's a terrible thing. It, it, it's 
um, just just about as bad as anything could be for someone to get this wrong, for someone to say that there's not three persons of the Godhead. And Muslims do this when and and Jews do this and certain sects in Christianity do this when they say there's only one God and and they discount that Jesus is God or that uh, the Holy Spirit is God. No, they uh, say it's the natural mind. They, they hear one, they insist upon one. can only be one. You can't have three but one. And it, it's that natural tendency of man that he he wants things to be as he can comprehend them and understand them. Well, God is, again, beyond our ability to comprehend. And the Bible insists and will not uh, compromise in any way the person of God or the being of God is one God but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And sometimes people have also in history tried to say there's more than three persons. There's a fourth they or, or more. And, and again, that's just as bad as, as saying there's only one because it is showing God uh, incorrectly. It, it is uh, saying things that are not true of his person, not true of the way God has revealed himself in the Bible. Why is it that we see at Jesus' baptism, the Lord Jesus, eternal God, the Holy Spirit, eternal God, and the Father speaking from heaven, eternal God. Where is person number four, five, or fifteen? They aren't there. Why is it that at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says, beginning in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Where is person number four, number five, number six, number seven? It, 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 you won't find it because the Bible teaches three persons, but one God. That's what Trinity means. Trinity is a theological term that theologians in the past coined to describe this very thing. The, the teaching of the Bible, as God says he is one, yet reveals himself as three persons. Trinity means that very thing. Three persons, one God. So it's a very good term to describe the biblical truth that God is three but one. And that was the uh, declaration at the Great Commission, which was a very important point in time to go into the world and what are the people of God to teach about the God of the Bible, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son. That is, in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. And, and God is a jealous God. He will not share his glory with another. And it can only be that we're 
to baptize in the day of salvation in the name of the triune God, because each member, each person that is mentioned is equally God. They're, they're not less than the other. They're all fully God. That's what the Bible says concerning Jesus, that in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or in Philippians 2, we, we read of Jesus in verses 5 and 6, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God because he is one of the three divine persons. Now, God, for our benefit, for our help and assistance, has plainly stated this truth in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, where the Lord tells us, for there are three that bear record in heaven, not ten, not another number, but three. Three as the three that were in view at Christ's baptism, three that are in view with the Great Commission, and, and three that we find have personalities in the Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Now, who's the Word? John 1, verse 14, says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Christ. And also, John 1, 1, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Who's the Father? The Father is God. There's no question about that. Uh, He's the voice from heaven. Uh, Behold my Son in whom I am well pleased, my beloved Son. And, And the Holy Ghost on equal footing with the Father and the Word. The Holy Ghost is not separated out. He's He's mentioned here. Uh, as part of the three that bear record in heaven. And then finally, it says, and these three are one. There in capsule is the doctrine of the Trinity. These three are one. It is a biblical statement. It is part of the Bible to say they are three persons, yet one God. And of course, God knew this would be um, impossible for the natural minded person to to understand or to submit to. And, and so it has been a doctrine of difficulty for unsaved people throughout history. Again and again, it has led to heresy, to other gospels, to other religions, uh, where if you look at the religions in the world, typically they they will speak of one God, although there's exceptions to that. And uh, actually, there maybe maybe that's not a good statement. There there are um, actually religions that that focus on numerous gods, false gods, but. As far as Christianity 
whenever people uh, veer off course from the Trinity, they turn into another gospel. Now that That's the sorrowful truth. Well, next time we'll continue to look at this incredible statement of God that he has made a creature in his image in Genesis 1 verse 26. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.